Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, also known as Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram. And my name is Jacob, and you'll find me on Instagram at the Fudefan. So before we start, Jacob, I'd like to make a correction to something that I said last week. Uh, last week we introduced a uh, exclusive Rialo from uh, Pentonoto uh, that I called Sumebagun no Akari, but I'd like to make a correction to that. The name is actually Sumehagun no Akari. So um, yeah, just wanted to clear that up and correct that before uh, before we start. So. Glad to hear from you as always. How's it been? Uh, anything new? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm tired after a um, after a long week. It turns out that working from home is uh, harder than I thought. But uh, not to disappoint Mr. Dowdy, I did go to Marzen uh, once this week. <laughs> after um, lunch. After lunch. Uh, in my defense, I did have to go to the office that day. And I actually bought a face mask at Marazen. <laughs> so yes, Marazen now sells face masks. That's the new new world we live in. Mm. So how about you? I'm good. Uh, I, I received a lot of uh, stuff from from China, actually. Uh, I ordered from a site called TB Focus, Taobao Focus. Uh, you can find them, I think, on tbfocus.com. And I bought these inks that are apparently sailor lookalike so they're they're in these sailor-esque bottles um so they're the older uh vase bottles that you don't really find in the stores anymore and um i bought a series of uh, 24 inks um that represent the 24 solar terms um so the solar terms are kind of 24 micro seasons that you have in east asian culture and what's interesting about this is that sailor in Japan have phased out the use of the vase bottles, presumably because I think it's uh, it was too expensive to keep producing the vase bottles. Instead, they've opted for the square bottles or um, the smaller kind of like um, 15 mil type uh, bottles. I, I'm not quite sure exactly how much... Uh, those smaller bottles are but it's the one that uh the sailor ink studio comes in but uh on the other side of the of the water chinese manufacturers have picked up um not just sailor but also uh pilot iroshizuku lookalike bottles so it seems like the manufacturing of these bottles were not done in japan but you know reasonably uh, also due to costs in China. And the ink manufacturers in China have started to uh, to pick up and use these bottles and sell them over Taobao or um, or AliExpress. Do you know anything about that? So I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on it, but I've also bought some inks from China recently. And uh, unlike you, I went for AliExpress, which is the, the, the easier solution where you don't need to go via a shopping agent. And I got this. I couldn't tell what brand it was because the problem with AliExpress is that every product listing is just an, an, a soup of SEO keywords. Uh, but so what I did, uh, as I often do when I want to know something about Chinese brands, I went to Fountain Pen Network. Mm. And there's one guy in particular on Fountain Pen Network called um, Mech4i, that, that's his handle. 
and he knows more than anyone probably about these these uh, Chinese brands. And he explained that there's been this explosion of small boutique brands in mm. China, but many of yeah. them they don't make their own ink. So there's this brand called Trammel, which is a big OEM manufacturer, and, and so many of these inks are actually made by this Trammel brand. And they also make Trammel also make their own. And uh, their own uh, Trammel branded ink, so so that seems to be one of the one of the big brands over there. Yeah, and uh, and I have a Trammel pen thanks to you, um, which is this frosted demonstrator, and they hold a uh, I would say let's say a Western size number five nib around a Yo five, but uh, it's the perfect holder for um pilot parallel nibs so i've been using that as my parallel holder and it's absolutely i mean it's a good pen yeah it's also a very beautiful pen i know that one of the one of the popular chinese pen reviewers chris rap 52 he was not a big fan of this pen i can't remember what his and what it's comments were, but I really like this pen too because it is it is very beautiful and it seems to be very very well made too Yep, it's sturdy. And then um, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, I did a bad thing, Jacob. Tell me. Uh, I bought another Mont Blanc 146. Uh, Now, there's a reason for it. Um, I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago that, uh, or maybe it was last episode, um, I was expecting a 1950s 146 to be mulled to me during the Marzen Pen Show, but unfortunately, due to the virus and everything got cancelled, uh, our friend couldn't. Our friends couldn't come to Japan, so I still have that pen. It's it's safe uh, with my mother in the U.S., but um, I couldn't resist. I, I found this 1950s one four six on Yahoo Auctions for about four hundred U.S. dollars, and it's beautiful. I love it. It needs some work uh, on the nib, and there's a small, small crack on the cap. But other than that, it's really perfect. The piston action is smooth, and I find that you you really often find these, uh, maybe not 1950s, but you find a lot of Mont Blancs on Yahoo Auctions, often for a very, very good price. I think modern ones, they, they go for something like $200, $250. But so did you know, by the time you were bidding on that auction, did you know about that crack? Was that clear from the auction listing or was that a a surprise when you you got the pen? The thing is, under normal use, you wouldn't even, uh, you wouldn't even see it. It's a a hairline. And I I think this is something that uh, I might consider Udushi. We we don't know how Udushi will react with celluloid yet, but... um, but I think it's something that's it, it's really really minor. Okay. Yeah, and it has a long ink window, which is very rare. So to get it at about four hundred dollars, that's I think it's uh, it's severely underpriced. And you're a bit of a Mont Blanc collector, right? You you have a few of them by now. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a collector, but I have a few. Would it be correct to say that you have more Mont Blanc pens than pens of any other brand? Yeah, I have more Mont Blanc pens than I have fingers on one hand. 
yeah so you 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 definitely you're definitely <laughs> a collector then in, in my mind in my mind <laughs> okay um so news uh we have some we have a lot of news actually today some exciting stuff about uh mitsukoshi itoya so itoya is opening up a new store in mitsukoshi and mitsukoshi in nihonbashi so that's that's across the street from maruzen yeah it's 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 actually not that well yeah it, it is still nihonbashi but it's more toward the muramachi side so it's a little bit of walk but yeah we're not talking about any great distances here right um before i give my thoughts what do you think about the opening of mitsukoshi toya well i think the the the, the first thought everyone has is that not only is it fairly close to Marazen, but it's also not too far from, from um, Itoya's own flagship store in Ginza, right? But you you had some thoughts on why this would still make sense, right? Yeah, so when I first saw this uh, this news, I was utterly confused because, you know, Itoya Ginza, it's such a big and beautiful store. It's only 10 minutes away. Uh, I think 15 minutes by foot if you're... If you're really you know stretching it but it's really not far away it's a huge space they have two stores there they have uh g itoya and k itoya so why would why would itoya open up a store that's just so close to marazen where you know uh, i think marazen does have quite a loyal uh customer base and then i thought about it and I realized that it's because of the way that retail works in Japan and the way that department stores have um, have power, but also a special relationship that department stores work with retailers. So in Japan, you don't pay rent to the department stores. You, you pay what's called a variable rent. And what happens is that if you make zero sales, you don't pay any rent. But... If you do make sales, a percentage of that sales goes into the pockets of the department store. So uh, what it means for Ritsukoshi Itoya is that um, for Itoya, there's, there's no business lost because they don't care. They don't pay rent. But for Mitsukoshi, they closed their fountain pen area uh, last year, sometime soon after their spring event. Uh, which was the last event that that they had uh, for the fountain pens. But I'm guessing that Mitsukoshi still wants to have a fountain pen area mm. because um, because that's quite important. I think in Japan, all the big major department stores have fountain pen areas, and even the um, DIY stores have have a fountain pen area. So if Mitsukoshi wants to have a fountain pen area. But they don't want to have the financial burden of of um, of holding inventory, and they don't they don't want to to invest the time in the merchandising, etc. They can sublet it to Itoya, and Itoya already has inventory that it can spread across several different stores. So in the end, it's actually a win win for both Mitsukoshi and Itoya. I'm not sure how the business will go, but mm. it, it, it makes sense. And then you mentioned that spring event. So for those who don't know, there were, for the last few years, there's been two major retail events in March. The first week of March was usually Marazen, and then one week later, there was Mitsukoshi's event. And although there was 
always a bit of an overlap. They were still sufficiently different that the Mitsukoshi event was still interesting. Mitsukoshi had their own exclusive inks. They had a different set of, uh, of uh, um, small shops coming to the event. So it was interesting and I think people were unhappy when they closed uh, when they closed the stationary floor and just canceled the event last time. So the open question now is whether whether this means that Mitsukoshi will do will have a retail event again because I don't I can't think on top of my head about of any um, Itoya events that are similar to Marazen's pen fair. So Itoya have, we yeah. know about their ink events, but I, I can't think of any like pen fair similar to Marazen's pen fair. Yeah, and I think that would be very very interesting. Uh, for sure, we'd be going to that. Yeah, definitely. So let's hope ho- hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, any other news from you, Jacob? So it was one thing I, I just saw that is not directly fountain pen related, but um, so Kuretake, this this uh, brand that is known for art supplies and brush pens and so on, they started selling what they call a karapo pen, so an, like, like an empty pen. Mm. And as far as I understand, this is, this is I, I can't tell if it's a ballpoint or if it's felt tip, but the idea is that you, you buy these sticks, they call them ink reservoirs, but they are these sticks made from some soft material and you dip these sticks in your ink of choice and it absorbs the ink and you stick it back in the pen and now you have your own ballpoint or felt tip pen with your ink of choice. Hmm. And this makes sense because it ties into another initiative that Kuretake has for the last two years, I think, this ink cafe. So... So Kuretake started doing these ink cafes where you go there and you blend your own inks. And now they also sell their own um, ink mixing kit that you can do at home. So, so, so the extension of that is this Krapo pen now where you, you mix your own inks and then you can use it not just in fountain pens, but also in a ballpoint or felt tip if that's your preference. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's felt tip. If it was a ballpoint, I would be very, very interested. Um, I think it's a felt. My, my question is: Do you know if you can change or clean out the ink? Now, I think it specifically said that you cannot. So, so you, <laughs> but but it makes sense given the price. I can't remember exactly, but it was, it's a very cheap pen. So, yeah, it, it's uh, you, you ink it up once. Well, I guess it's time to go out and buy a hundred of them. I have to do that. <laughs> okay. Um. So while we are on the topic of ink, I I, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, ink testing. Yeah, uh, because that's something I have been um, something I, I've been doing this week. So um, I finally started using this Tsubame ink cards. And uh, for those who don't know, Tsubame is this iconic Japanese notebook yep. brand, and they've been around for over seventy years. But last year they released this ink testing card or, or ink collection cards, as they call them. And these Tsubame cards, they seem to be very. Po- popular here now you see them on instagram you see them on in retail stores so for example i'm sure you remember that marazen used these tsubame cards to show off the new penfair athena inks for example mm. and what i like about these ink cards other than the paper quality is the fact that they are business card size and as you know business cards are just ubiquitous here in japan you start a new job the first thing that happens is that you get a big stack of business cards and any business meeting begins with an exchange of cards. So 
we all have a lot of business cards so office supply stores also have a lot of solutions for business card storage and display so i went last week into my local um, shop and i got this clear book from kokoyo with 30 pockets and room for i think 180 business cards or in my case ink cards and it's about the same size as a traveler's and notebook so it's it's pretty compact and i really like this setup it's a lot of fun to flip through and uh, personally i think this is a nicer solution than these you know flashcards uh, with a ring the but the last part of my ink testing setup is this dip pen so i've been using glass pens uh, in the past but i always found the lines to be too thin and too dark it didn't quite look like i've been writing with a fountain pen and uh, but then I recall this Itoya ink testing event earlier this year, where Itoya had prepared dip pen holders with pilot steel nibs. So the same kind of steel nib that you have on a Kakun or a Prera. Um, but I stuck it on a dip pen holder and that was a pretty nice solution, I think. So inspired by Itoya, I pick up my old Tachikawa dip nib holder and I tried to stick a fountain pen nib on it. And I tried a few of them and I found a uh, pen bbs um, bent nib to be a particularly good fit so that's what i've been using for mm. my testing now and uh, a single dip is actually more than enough to write down your know, ink brand and a name and scribble a bit so it's a pretty good solution and this also happens to be one of my favorite fountain pen nibs so a, a nib that i actually use a lot so so it, it's a pretty good solution yeah ink swapping and ink testing has uh has been huge in japan uh lately and a lot of people are uh, buying glass dip nibs so you see a lot more um glass nibs in, in the market but I, I just feel like it it can't replace the the fountain pen nib in the way that it looks uh and the way that the ink flows so i think your solution is really quite elegant yeah it, it seems it seems to work well and uh, uh the last thing related to ink testing that I want to talk, to talk about are these Tamiya bottles. So when we trade ink samples in Japan, we don't typically use these, you know, plastic 5 mil vials. Instead, we use these 10 mil square bottles from Tamiya. So for those who don't know, Tamiya is a company that makes plastic scale models like cars and airplanes. Gundams. And Gundams too, yes. And they sell paint for those models too in small bottles. So you're meant to buy the, the scale model and the paint and, and paint your own model, right? And uh, if you want to mix your own paint and store it later, they also sell these empty paint bottles in different sizes. And someone realized that those small 10 mil paint bottles the empty ones are just perfect for ink samples. So this, <laughs> so this has just exploded now, right? You see them everywhere. You see them on Instagram. You see them on retail stores. And and uh, and they're pretty good right? because they're, they're compact because of the shape. They, they, are, they are square shaped, right? And 10 ml is a pretty good size. And, um, and the cap seals very well. So I don't mind... Uh, sending these in a padded envelope while if I send these plastic vials I worry about leakage all the time yeah and Tamiya they're all sold out of these bottles aren't they I mean I, I've heard stores say please you ink Mima people stop coming here we don't have these bottles anymore yeah I, I got that treatment when I went for the second time to the brick and mortar store in Shinbashi <laughs> it was a, yeah, yeah I mean they were friendly of course but you could tell that they, that they judged you you know are you one of those ink Mima people 
Um, but yeah, they're sold out often in the brick and mortar store. I've had Rakuten orders cancel on me three times, actually. <laughs> but now I finally man- managed to, to get enough of these bottles to last for a while. And what I found is that this electronics shop, Yodobashi, they mm-hmm. actually sell, they have, a, they have a lot of these bottles and they let you buy it. Up to 10 at a time. So I've been buying Tamiya bottles from Yodobashi. So now I have a big stash of Tamiya bottles. Mm. 10 at a time, of course. Yes. Yeah, you, yeah you, you, they don't allow you to buy more. <laughs> yeah, and you would never think of buying less. Some of the Rakuten stores have like, like 800 yen shipping. So it doesn't make sense to buy like two at a time. Right. Okay. Um, you ready to move on to our main focus of the day? Let's do that. Okay. Uh, what we want to talk about this episode is is a grind that both Jacob and I like a lot. Uh, this is the Naginata grind, and I think it's it's quite, let's say, uh, misunderstood in uh, in both the Western market and maybe sometimes in the Japanese market too. Um, what is the Naginata for? So my understanding is that it's really for for like Asian calligraphy and spe- specifically f- to to make these these three fundamental strokes that we talked about in in the first episode to make them as beautiful as possible and the harai stroke in, in particular you want it to have this brush like look where where the line gets gets thinner in the end. Yeah, and the harai stroke is a stroke where you go from the top right and you. St- Stroke down diagonally in a swift motion uh, to the bottom left, and it should start thicker and end at almost even a needle point kind of a tip. So it, it's something that you that defines, in my opinion, that is the main stroke that defines a naginata. But Jacob, as we've already talked about, you use the Naginata for English. And I'm curious as to why, like, what is it about the Naginata for um, English writing that you find it adept for? Well, I like Naginatas for the same reason that I I like uh, architect nibs. But I'm struggling to use architect nibs correctly. They cut through the paper if I don't hold it the right way. So for me, a naginata is really just a more forgiving architect grind. Right. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, you write... um, I mean, you're left-handed, but you write as an underwriter. So uh, almost there's this... Almost no difference from a right-handed writing experience um, from what I can see. But... You write also at a slant. I do write at a slant, yes. Mm. And I think writing at a slant gives you a... um, It it allows the nib to show off its property more Mm. than, um, let's say, writing at a a vertical angle. Yeah, that that may be true. Yeah. Um, But what makes a naginata... I mean, what what is it? How does one define a nagnata? Um, I I think that in terms of the tipping shape, uh, the nagnata is defined by a triangular uh, shape rather than the architect, which is, which kind of looks like an eye. Mm. 
Uh, I think the Naginata looks like a pyramid. And what's interesting about the Naginata is that the size, so let's say um, uh, M, B, M, F, uh, F, whatever, um, it's not determined by the size of the tipping in the traditional sense, uh, or rather, it's not determined by the size of the writing. So you can have a Naginata MF, and when you write with it, it writes like a Western triple broad. Mm. It's rather defined by the size of the tipping uh, horizontally. So um, similar to an architect, the bigger the horizontal um, tipping is, the, the bigger the naginata is defined as. So uh, I think that's that's quite interesting. And the smaller the size naginata, the, the thinner profile it has on the tipping. But then when you write uh, English characters, it doesn't necessarily make too much of a difference whether you write with an MF or a B. That's my, my experience. Yeah, I would still say that a Naginata B is is so broad that you almost don't you almost don't see much much of that architect like uh, uh, line mm. variation. It's almost too difficult for me to use. But but a Naginata M to me is just perfect. Yep, and and Naginatas have a quite an interesting history because what we know as a Naginata now um, actually predates almost sailor. Uh, the Naginata grind in in the, the Japanese and the Chinese pen sphere is almost compared to a um, old, like, uh, vintage Mont Blanc EF style nibs. You've heard that before. Yeah, I would like to do more research on that, but I know that there, there's there's this uh, category of like 70s uh, Montblanc EF grinds that are considered to be almost maybe accidentally, but considered to be very good for for Chinese handwriting. And there are nib meisters who are uh, trying to recreate that particular grind. Yeah, and I, I've read on uh, on several different sources that, um, and even in sailors literature, I I, I believe it says that. Um, Nagahara uh, Nagahara Sr he rediscovered the secret to making Naginata grinds I, I, I don't think the literature says he invented it and um, the way that I read this then is that um, Nagahara was studying how to make something interesting and According to several sources in Chinese, actually Sailor had offered uh, grinds that were similar to the Naginata, even pre-war. But um, post-war, because they needed to focus on commerciality, they stopped the production of these kind of nibs for a while. And then Nagahara Sr. brought it back into the commercial line. And and that that's quite interesting, because then if we think about it like that, um, Sailor has really done a great job at marketing this nib and it, it seems that marketing 
is as much um, the reason for success for the nib as the nib itself. Now, um, there have also been several different versions of the imprints, and I, I, I'm not a sailor collector, and I'm not a sailor historian, so I'm sure there are people out there that know much more than me. But as far as I'm aware, there have been three, outside of limited edition things, like there has been three different versions of the imprints for Naginata. The, the first one is the old sailor imprint, which has the anchor, and um and it's not it doesn't have the scroll work right um you've seen these older style um sailor nibs which uh came in both 21k and 14k um and those had naginata uh variants that were available um and nagahara senior uh mostly i believe were grinding those and then you have the, uh, let's say, the modern um, Sailor imprint with all of the scroll work. It's the same one that comes with uh, the Sailor Pro Gears and the 1911 Large, which uh, is known as the Prophet 21 here. And then they stopped the production of those sometime in 2015 uh, because they couldn't meet the demand or they stopped the the regular offering because they the they became too popular and they couldn't keep up with the demand mm. and then sometime in 2017 i think they relaunched the naginata uh into the market with the sailor specialty nibs and those have a new imprint which uh, does not have the scroll work but i think still looks very very handsome they do, yes. They also cost a whole lot more than than the previous ones. Yeah. Uh, um, how much yeah. did you get your Naginatas for? So I remember I got um, my first one I got from Amazon Japan for 20,000 yen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think today the, the the new ones are like a f- between 50 and 60,000 yen, right? The, the, the latest ones. Yeah. Uh, that's a significant markup. I got my, um, I got my Nagahara Junior nib from the Marzen Pen Show in 2015-ish, and I was lucky enough to to stop by the sailor counter, and they had three left. And uh, and it was one of the only places that you can pick up a Naginata right there and then. So I, I think I got mine for about 20,000 Japanese yen. And now I see people trying to sell them for ridiculous prices. They're trying to sell them for like $450, uh, which to me is, is almost crazy. But I remember there was this transition period where, where Marazen, for example, they sold the old Naginatas and the new Naginatas side by side. So the old one with the old price and new one with a new price, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, and it was probably due to um, the way that they they kept the SKU yeah. is that they had to sell them at their respective um, retail prices because I assume that the SKU code is different. And by the way, speaking about the different Naginatas, I only tried one of the Naginata, Nagahara Senior nibs and I don't know from what era it was. I don't know if they changed over time, but the one I tried... Um, 
was different from the Nagenhara Junior nibs that I, that I'm used to in two different ways. It felt more sh- sharp, more uh, more toothy, and also it had almost like a wavery, like but more slight bent up. I'd say. Yeah, that's interesting because I, um, you're right about the bend up. It has more tipping, and it's more rounded. And I know that there are Naginata, there's a subset of Naginata collectors that chase specifically Nagahara senior grinds because they're so distinctive that you can tell if it's a Nagahara senior or a junior grind just by looking at it. Um, and we have one, um, we had uh, our friend Alessa, she has a senior nib and we tried that at her house. I would say that, um, I I suspect um that one the tines are misaligned but the 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 lines that come out are broader mm. I believe than the Nagahara Junior ones which then brings us to talk about the Nagahara Junior grind and his grinds are significantly different and um I said earlier that there's a subset of people who chase specifically Nagahara Senior grinds, but for for me personally, I think Nagahara Junior has the better grind on the nib. Um, what it's defined by is that the top is quite flat, and it ends at a really sharp point. And what this means is that that Hadai stroke that we were talking about you can really get it to be um, really sharp and defined when you bring the stroke down on that diagonal stroke. Yeah, and and now that now that Nagahara has left Sailor and is doing his own nib grinding, he seems to he seems to have evolved the this grind further. So I remember last time we went to, to that bong box event when he was doing nib grinding. He he called it a konata, and he he was particularly happy about how he was able to take. And nibs with just a little bit of tipping. I think he had like a Lamy Safari F or M nib and he turned it into what he called a Konata. It's like a small Naginata. And it was actually really nice. Yeah. And um Naginatas you can you can make from all sorts of uh, all sorts of nibs. Um but I think for uh let's say what we consider traditional um Naginatas, the best is on a pilot course. Uh, platinum course music zoom or uh sorry no, sailor zoom or sailor uh music but i've i've made some on montblanc m nibs as well because they have a um a sphere of tipping at the end so i have one um what i guess uh nagara junior would consider a konata on my 1912 heritage um montblanc yeah. What's interesting also is that um, we know that junior ground nibs, we know that senior ground nibs, but to the end of Junior's career at Sailor, um, he wasn't grinding most of the Naginatas at Sailor. Yeah, I think he said that for that for that special edition uh, Ebonite King of Panda that they did recently. I think he said that he only did the broad Naginatas. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. 
um, that he did the broads and that the apprentices would do the MFs uh, and such. And I believe uh, I was told by a retailer that that is also true of the new imprints um, of the Naginata. So the, the more uh, slim, sleek, and the handsome uh, one. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about other people grinding Naginatas? Well, I know that there are there are some Western Nibmeisters who have started doing Naginatas. It, it, it seems to have started in this year, I think. Uh, I, I can't remember which Nibmeisters, but, but there were definitely a few that have started experimenting with, with Naginata Togi Nibs. Yeah, I think um, Mike Masayama does a nice Naginata. That's what I've been told. Uh, I've seen Mark Bakas do it, Naginata, and I'm sure... Uh, any Nibmeister could do it, um, but it might take a bit of research on their part um, to to look out for um, specificities. And I know that a Taiwanese uh, nib grinder, he is uh, he's I think his name is Tommy Zhang, and he makes a naginata that a lot of people seem to enjoy over there. I agree that there seem to be more and more uh, Nibmeister doing nab- Naginatas. So my question then is how, how that will affect the demand for sailors' own Naginata Togi Nibs. Yeah, uh, I agree because um, obviously now, uh, especially with uh, Nagahara Jr. Um, coming out to grind Naginatas on all sorts of brands. I think there will be much less of a demand for the sailor specialty nibs. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it depends on who you talk to. A lot of people uh, are purists, and you know, um, for the uh, pen enthusiasts who associate Nagana, uh, Naginata with sailor. Mm. I think a lot of them will still want a sailor uh, nagnata, um, and of course, I'm sure they will go out for the for the nagahara naginata as well. So we know that Nagahara is happy to do naginata togis. He's happy to do his fudedeman, and he's happy to do concord nibs. But what he won't do, at least what he's saying now, that he won't do is uh, multi-layer nibs. So. I suspect that there will still be a high demand for the cross music and so on, but it may be perhaps the demand for Naginata Togi and and uh, the Concord and so on might uh, go down a bit. Hmm. Do you know why he won't do them? I know he said that they are difficult to do even for him. He, he talked about how, how he was working on one and it took him like three attempts. So he wasted, uh, I think, 12 gold nibs to trying to make something. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of like risk and cost. Yeah, and probably because he doesn't have a supply of gold nibs anymore. Right. I guess if he were to offer layered nibs in a hypothetical situation, it will probably be pre-made rather than on the spot yeah yeah and speaking of layered nibs uh we talked about the naginata togi that is the standard naginata 
but actually the Naginata has um, evolved within uh, the Sailor brand to include all sorts of different nibs. So I want to go through them uh, very briefly for our listeners. You mentioned the Concord and the Fidedemannen. Um, well, those actually belong in the Naginata family. Uh, the Naginata Concord is a bent nib that bends downwards, uh, which, um, as you mentioned in episode one, was originally invented for uh, drawing and artistic purposes. So it bends downwards and it writes as, uh, I have a um, Nagahara Senior uh, Naginata Concord. I believe it's an M. So it writes as an M nib uh, regularly, and then you turn it around, and it becomes this juicy, fat. Uh, I would say it, it's almost as fat as like a pilot parallel, um, on the reverse, and that gives you really, really cool effects. With uh, depending on the ink you use, it can give you amazing shading, um, amazing sheening, uh, and the works. Then we have the Naginata Fude de Manen, and the Naginata Fude de Manen is the almost the opposite, I would say, of the Concord. So it's bent upwards, and I've made a few of these myself, um, and they write uh, fat lines on the normal side, and a um, let's say depending on the size of the the tipping, a M, uh, B, whatever you want to have it, uh, on the reverse. And I know some amateur grinders who've even done an italic on the reverse side, and those look really, really good. But but I would say that of the Naginata family, the one that writes the best Chinese characters is the Fude de Manin. I think it has the most... um, it has the most uh, character to to the strokes, and you can really see that variation in the harai stroke. And that's what I personally uh, prefer to use if I want to really um, have fun uh, with my Chinese characters. And just one thing to add to that, and one possible source of confusion is that Sailor has both Fude de Manen and Naginata Fude de Manen. So the, the, the nibs that are just called Fude de Manen are these cheap and cheerful steel nibs that are popular among artists yep. and so on. And then you have the Naginata Fude de Manen that are quite expensive gold nibs. Yes, and the uh, Fude de Manen comes in both 40 degrees and 70 degrees, I believe. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking to do... Uh, obviously, this depends on your, your grip um, angle. For me, the 70 degrees works much better. Um, and then uh, you have the Saibitogi. The Saibitogi is uh, is also, I believe, quite popular with artists, isn't it? Because it's a really, really fine nib. I'm not sure if they make that one anymore. I, I know it, it disappeared for a while, but yeah, that that, that is the, the, the needlepoint style uh a grind and it's very very fine yeah and i would say um on the reverse it writes like a regular naginata and i think the only ones that are available uh now uh of the ones that we just talked about are um i'm not sure if the concord is still available either maybe it is but uh for sure the naginata togi uh is available um so those are the single layer nibs What's interesting about the Naginata is that then you have um, 
you have these suffixes. And the suffix of emperor means that there's a gold um, overfeed tab that is attached on top of the nib. And this tab is not, it's not welded to the nib. It's actually a separate piece. So um, when you pull up the feed from a uh, emperor, you will find that uh, the tab will come out. So if you ever do do that, not that I recommend it, but if you do, um, you should notice that uh, the feed, the overfeed does come off and you should be careful not to lose that because that uh, little thing is extremely expensive. And so you have the standard Naginata Togi Emperor, uh, you have the Conquered Emperor, um, but I believe uh, as far as I'm aware, there is no uh, Fudetamanen Emperor. On my own Fudetamanen, I've put on, I've attached the Emperor nib and it um, what the emperor uh, tab does is that it draws the ink. So the emperor tab is kind of curled, and you rest that curled um, part on the breather hole. And what it does is that it draws ink through capillary action up to the hole. And um, what that does is that it makes your nib extremely, extremely wet. When I had my Naginata with the emperor tab, um, it was so wet that I couldn't see any shading. But with the Fidetamannen, it it helps draw out enough ink that you can really enjoy the thick um, juiciness of that of that nib. So that those are the single layer nibs. And then you have um, the double layer nibs, and those are the cross nibs. And the regular um, naginata shape is uh, it's the um, the cross point. The cross point is like naginata, but it's, it's a double layer. And I think um, I think uh, Ralph Reyes, uh, he's making these style nibs. Um, but his nibs are are interesting because they have very unique uh, overfeed designs and very unique um, double layer. Uh, style uh, kind of welding so that's that's quite interesting um, and that's quite unique in the pen market in that I believe he's one of the only ones outside of Sailor who are doing these uh, these stacked nibs. The cross concord is a reverse uh, I would say it's a Saibitogi version of the of the cross series so again a stacked nib um, with the Naginata on the reverse and the cross music um, the cross music is is interesting because this one is is a um, I would say it's a two layer uh, architect nib and this cross music I've tried it at the Shosaikan shop it's fantastic and then these cross points um, the, the cross series also has an emperor series attached to that but I would say the most rare um, Naginata nibs are the King series. And as far as I know, there are two official King nibs. There's the King Eagle nib, which is a three-layered Naginata, and it's in the traditional shape of the Naginata. And then there's the King Cobra, where the extra tines are 
underneath the main tine. Uh, I've had the pleasure of writing with the King Cobra nib while at one of Nagahara Jr.'s grinding sessions, and that thing was, uh, I mean, it was a fire hose. It was, it was very, very interesting. I would love to own one, but it's probably not suitable for any kind of writing. Neither the King Eagle, I'd imagine. Um, and those two have an Emperor variant. And then there's a rumor of a third style, a rumor of a third style King Nib, um, but it, it was never, uh, it didn't make it to market, unfortunately. Um, and these king uh, king nibs, they are what the sailor maniacs and the sailor collectors, the sailor collectors want to want to hunt, and they're they're extremely rare, extremely expensive. I think the prime time for sailor collecting was probably around ten years ago, when it was still uh, relatively, let's say, uncommon for people to know about the naginata. Um, but overall, I would say. If you're looking to write with a naginata, um, for the basic audience, probably just the standard naginata togi is is the only thing that uh, they'll ever need. Maybe the Concord, maybe the maybe the Fugitimo. Yes, every once in a while you, you see uh, Yahoo auction listings for King Eagles and King Cobra, and they they tend to go very high because you have these collectors, as you say, you know, in China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Japan, that they're all fighting over these nibs. That they're so rare and that they're still yep. sought after. I have tried them myself. I tried both the King Eagle and King Cobra. And what I will say is that although I really appreciate, you know, the craftsmanship and all the work that goes into making these nibs, I personally don't think they're any more fun than, say, a Concord or a Fudu nib to write with, especially if you put like an Ebonite feed or, mm. or an Emperor tab on them. Yeah, I, I do want to have a cross nib, but... Um, but I agree for practical purposes, uh, the king nibs, they, they're, they're, you know, they're ridiculous. They are the uh, Montegrappa Chaos. Yeah, they're more collector's items. Yes. And uh, you have a Concord uh, that's done from, I think, a Yovo nib? Was, is that correct? Yeah, actually from a... From, from a box, oh, no, it's yes. A box. So there was, I think, what, last year there was this bong box... Um, uh, had a nib grinding event and first I just went there I brought one pen because my intention was to get one nib ground to Naginata Togi but while he was, Nagahara was grinding he showed me he showed me a Concord nib that he done on a Twispy or whatever it was and I liked that Concord so much that I decided to buy a pen because I didn't have any other pens with me I decided to buy another pen um, to get ground I went to Eboya uh, because they had their own booth in next door and, and I went and bought an Eboya Natsume I, I think it's called and it had and had yes. a gold medium nib now of course gold nibs aren't really ideal for a Concord probably um, but I really want I really wanted uh, this grind to, on, on a pen and a nib that I would actually love using so that, that's how I ended up with a gold a buck nib with a Concord grind yeah, that's interesting because um, because you asked me when I made my Fudeta Mannen, um, you know, why do it on a gold nib? And yeah. 
uh, and I've been writing a lot with it, and I found that the softness of the gold nib, it allows the nib to spread. And my, I'd say my fide de manen is uh, when you look at the, the nib, it's actually semi-flex now when I press on it. And, uh, and that helps it create an even bigger variance in the line variation. Mm. And so I think actually the fide de manen, um, I mean, obviously the steel ones are great as well, but the gold ones, uh, there, there is... Uh, there's a nice, um, there's a nice uh, result to that, and um, while we're on this point, I want to I want to say that a lot of um, calligraphers from Taiwan, they actually buy uh, a lot of um, fidedemanins. There's one in particular. I think his handle is um, let's see what is it. It's on Instagram. It's inkjoy underscore the underscore pen and he writes beautifully with uh with these um fude nibs and they are all made of titanium actually um his preference is the fude titanium nibs and i think you you know about this as well um but the company, uh, what company is this again? So I, I know the English name is uh, 3952. There's a Taiwanese name too. And uh, I think there's a, they sell a small number of pens in the West. But they also have these um, um, titanium nibs uh, with uh, with food grinds. I don't think they sell them at all outside the Taiwan. At least I've never seen them outside Taiwan. They're quite expensive, but they seem to be popular among these uh, Taiwanese calligraphers. Yeah, and I think that um, because titanium nibs are also uh, known to um, to be a bit soft, right? And I think that's why they are using um, they're using titanium nibs. I'm on the website right now, and uh, it seems like they're called Bon Artec Writing Three Nine Five Two. They're also making uh, these food nibs from uh, Bach Gold, so they have the flash slit. Mm. Bach gold nib, which I think is is kind of interesting that they've made into a food nib. So I really, really want uh, one of their titanium. Uh, I, I I just want the nib. I don't want the, I don't want the pen. Right. But I think they look really, really cool, and uh, and you know it, it's something that I want to explore further as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, and it's that time of the week again for listener questions. So, um, Inkcat writes from Slack asks, "Best underrated Japanese brand that we don't know about yet?" Question mark. Right. So I have one brand came to mind here when I read that question. There is this small pen maker in Kagawa in rural Japan called Helico. And Helico made this small batch, um, I don't know, handmade, I guess. They have a few models, but their most popular model here in Japan is this small pocket pen called like Shukuru. And they make them in these beautiful acrylics, usually with a like, Schmidt or Jovani, I believe. And previously, they sold them only on uh, penthouse and on, on at events like... Um, you know, Tony Limbs events, but now they have started these Instagram, you know, drops, Franklin Christoph style, 
um, drops. And they seem to be popular here in Japan. Uh, you, see, you see, especially among the, you know, the Inkunuma people, you see people using these pants. And they always seem popular at these events that we go to. But you don't hear much about Helico outside Japan. Now, one reason might be the price. They're not actually that, that cheap. I think these small pocket pants begin at 20,000 yen and up for a steel nib a pocket pants, which is a bit expensive. But I think anyone looking at these pens might recognize the design because this Chinese pen maker, Moonman, they came out with this Moonman Wankai pocket pen, I think last year or the year before. And that is basically just a copy of Helico's pen. So you may have seen that one a lot. I know even US retailers sell this Moonman Wankai, but that is really a copy of Helico's pen. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, they're also really interesting. You see them all over Japan in uh, in places like Tokyo Hands. Uh, you see them uh, in stationery stores. So they're they're quite common in Japan. Um, uh, I, I think you're right that a lot of Japanese people know about it, but not necessarily um, the Western audience. There is also, I believe, a company out in um, out in Kansai who are making celluloid pens. Um, uh, the, the name escapes me right now, but the, these celluloid pens, I think they make a lot of uh, celluloid pens that are fitted with Schmidt nibs. And those are quite interesting as well, because first, you don't really uh, see any celluloid um pens anymore it, it's it's really quite uh, rare okay now I, i've pulled up the website they're called kyoto celluloid um so you can find them at kyotocelluloid.com they make these uh this koi celluloid that's quite cool um and they also make a, a diff uh, a series of different pens as well and they're fit with uh with schmidt nibs so obviously i think it means they have the um, Schmidt converter, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, is the standard international converter. Right, right. That's true. Yeah. And those are quite interesting. They have a tortoise shell. Um, they have a kind of um, a pattern that you see on old vintage US pens, uh, the the hatched um, design. So they, they have a lot of interesting things that uh, if you don't mind a Schmidt nib or if you want to do some nib swaps and you, you like converter pens, these pens are, are quite beautiful. They come in both the cigar shape as well as the flat top. And I personally think that they're very pretty. Uh, probably one of the last places in the world that you can get a modern celluloid pen. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I, I'd say uh, we mentioned them earlier uh, in this episode, but Kuretake is is probably underrated um their their pens uh sometimes are made from interesting materials such as mine it, it's a deer horn pen i think uh, i think it looks very striking very beautiful unfortunately the trims are a bit uh cheap looking but you know it, it it's an interesting uh conversation piece for sure yeah what what i think that they stand out is their sumi inks and they have a series of scented sumi inks um, that come mostly in black, 
but they call them um, black green, black uh, purple, uh, blue black. And these are interesting because uh, they are made to smell and feel like uh, old calligraphy um, inks. So Chinese calligraphy is, uh, is made of um, particled, I think they're pigmented inks, um, that are that are very deep black and they have a very distinctive smell so every child in east asia knows the smell from their from their school lessons and uh as an adult i, I bought one of these uh these inks i opened the bottle cap and the smell was was extremely soothing uh and the ink that i got uh was quite interesting i put it on a on one of my pilots and i wrote with it on some cheap copy paper that i have from uh, from the office and there was no feathering and no bleed through so um the ink that i got uh i think it's called uh Nuno, um dragon brain um that one was was very very good and i enjoyed that a lot it's a black ink with black sheen and then to cap it all off there um their bottles are also really, really fantastic. They're these beautiful um, uh, kind of sphere uh, glass bottles with a cross-hatched uh, design all over. And you can buy them in either a plastic cap or a bronze cap. You can actually also buy the uh, bronze cap on its own. And they fit onto Ido Shizuku bottles as well. So... Um, I would say, for me, the underrated um, Japanese brand is certainly Mita for their inks. They have uh, some exclusives with Sailor as well, but their own um, their own uh, inks, um, I think, uh, from the uh, f- uh, from Kuretake, is is really good. Yeah, and you you write about this this property of pigmented inks that they, they work well on on bad paper. I remember when I bought some sailor ink. I think it was one of their Storia inks. The the explanation that just you got with ink bottle talked about the same thing. How how because the ink is pigmented, it works well on uh, on all kinds of paper because it doesn't doesn't like sink into the paper and 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 feathers. So that is definitely yeah. um, the good thing about pigmented inks. Obviously, and the, it bonds. Exactly. The the challenge, of course, is that you you need to be better with the cleaning and maintenance than, than with the with dye based things. Yeah, um, there are also some other uh, various um, pens that I think are not yet known to the West. But let's save that uh, for our Urushi episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, last question, if I may. Sure. So Bbox asks. Is there a big cultural difference in Japan regarding collecting? Are Japanese big collectors in general? So I'm not sure if this is unique to Japan, but but uh, the the older collectors, these these uh, Wagner members, what they have in common, I think, is that they they're not necessarily looking for pens that they want to write with. They're looking for historical pieces. There should be pens in like pristine conditions and there's a good story. The pen tells a story when this pen was released, you know, on, <clears throat> on this anniversary uh, and so on. And these collectors, they often 
they don't actually use the pens, right? So, so, so they have these pen trays upon pen trays of beautiful historical pens, but, but they end up writing with a pilot varsity or something like that. Uh, we know somebody like that. We, we know someone like that, yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have the younger generation that buy pens uh, to use. They look more at the how beautiful it pens look with ink in a barrel and, and, and how the nib works and so on. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, and uh, we mentioned this a bit also in episode one, the two types of collectors, the old Ojisan collectors. Ojisan means um, means uh, like old uncle yeah. type of uh, fishing vest collectors are the collectors that uh, ooh and oh at um, these very special, uh, let's say, hard-to-find pens um, from different uh, manufacturers of the past athena pens and they're the ones that really drive up yahoo auction prices whereas the newer um crowd they're they're also happy with steel nibs they're they're happy with your your standard um pens but they have to look pretty older collectors are okay with black pens yes and i think they're uh i think that's pretty similar um to to the west but I think the second part of the question is, is interesting. Um, are Japanese big collectors? I, I think Japan, mm, as with uh, as with anything, likes to take collecting to an extreme. Yeah. In the sense that if they start something, they want to finish it. And of course, with collecting, there's, there's no such thing as finishing uh, a collection because there's always uh, the next thing to collect, right? Yeah. So, um, there is a collector in Japan, uh, Sunomi-san, I think. Yeah. He has now more than 20,000 pens in his collection. 20,000 pens. I don't think I have enough space for 20,000 pens in my house. And he goes to all of these events. He goes to Marazen's retail events. He goes to Wagner's pen trading. He's always <laughs> usually first in line and he's quite aggressive <laughs> when he's uh, searching for his pens. So he's still very much an active collector. But yeah, he has tons of pens. And he's also known because he wrote the book Fountain Pens of Japan with uh, Lambro. Yes. And then there's um, there's also Mr. Pilot. Yes, he's more of a trader than a collector, perhaps, but but he seems to own quite a few pens. Yeah, I think he has every single pilot uh, available, or or um, every every single pilot that made it to market. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you for your questions. Uh, we'd love to hear more from you uh, if you have the time. Please. Uh, rate the podcast uh hopefully five stars if you like it um ask us anything that you want uh we have now set up a proper questionnaire so any listener questions should come in the questionnaire and it goes into an excel sheet that uh that uh jacob and i can look at easily so that will really really help us out your questions and your feedback really make this podcast interesting and helps us deliver the content that you would like to uh, hear. Jacob, before we sign off, any shout outs from you? Yeah, I would just say that it was just surreal to listen to the last episode of the Pen Edit podcast and hear the encouraging word from Brad Dowdus. I just want to say thank you so much and we'll do our best to, to keep this podcast interesting.
Yes, uh, I would like to echo those sentiments. Uh, thank you, Brad, for your uh, amazing endorsement and uh, and your encouraging words. We'll do our best to make you talk about us every single week. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, shout out to uh, all the retailers out there right now who I'm sure are struggling um, there are retailers now doing a lot of interesting things. Um, I would suggest uh, for the listeners to follow Ginza Staya's um, Instagram. They're doing some interesting things with, uh, with Instagram and selling on Instagram. So you can find them at Ginza underscore Staya. That's T-S-U-T-A-Y-A books b-o-o-k-s underscore stationary and we'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, i'd also like to shout out to you the listeners for really um your words of encouragement and uh we've had uh, a response that uh, you know i don't think either of us could have imagined when we first started this podcast a few weeks ago yeah and uh, with that, that's episode three. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me at Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram. That's at Tokyo Station Pens. And you can find me at uh, Foodafan on Instagram. And I also have a blog at foodafan.com. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.